2: Kyle Krabs here host of locked on NFL scouting join Joe Marino and me
0: every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft check out the locked on NFL scouting podcast with the draft dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts
2: locked on Dolphins hosted by Travis Wingfield your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins part of the locked on podcast network your team I'm
1: in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass.
2: What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, December the 19th edition of the Locked on Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show, we take a peek under the hood at Dolphins Bengals and preview the Tank Bowl. Miami are favorites for the only time this year, but can they secure the dub? Plus, Ryan Fitzpatrick playing the best ball of his career. Is he a viable option for next season? And I weigh in on the great Chase Young debate, float some other option ideas out there at the edge position, and we're talking kickers. Kickers? For the first time ever on this podcast, all of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter, it's at Wingfield NFL. the show is at LockedOnFins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, we have tons of written content, including today's preview piece, as well as Jason Harina's offensive team from the decade for the Miami Dolphins. Plenty of content for you guys there. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's
0: another Miami Dolphins. We
2: start the podcast talking about quarterbacks like we have probably more than half the time since this season began, and we're talking mostly about Ryan Fitzpatrick and his long-term sustainability as a possible starter for this Dolphins team in 2020, because this year, I think he's played very well. We go back to a quote that he mentioned a couple of weeks back, and he said something along these lines back in training camp, that this is, quote, the most comfortable and most confident I've ever felt in an offensive system, end quote. And that truly shows the most by the play speed by which he's playing the position. We saw what Josh Rosen did and how slow and bogged down the offense was in those two starts when they scored the 16 points and then, of course, three points against Washington through three quarters. Then Fitzpatrick comes back in. The team's a little more stabilized at that time of the year than it was the first two games. And things start clicking. They start scoring points. They get the touchdown drives in the first part of the Pittsburgh game, put up a season high 26 against the Jets. They have 21 points against the Bills in that game. And And they just found a way to keep scoring because of Ryan Fitzpatrick's processing ability. And I've received some backlash on Twitter from folks for saying that this is the best year of his career and the evidence will always go back to pointing at the stats and the box score. And look, man. I don't care about the damn box score. I never have. I care about what I see on tape. And what I see on tape is a quarterback that really makes just about two or three mistakes every game. Those are usually ball placement issues, which is okay. That's kind of his forte. Not the most accurate quarterback in the world, but he's not making the horrible decision interceptions this year. And just as Fitz himself told us, This offense has really empowered his best traits, his aggressiveness to attack between the numbers against zone coverage. The easy identification of one-on-one matchups to the perimeter when the defense goes to man coverage. The ability to change the route concepts to either side of the field. You'll hear Linda. You'll hear Rita. Those are two opposite side of the field checks. He doesn't have to make a full field check when he changes the play. That's the type of offensive system this is. Short phrases, adjustable route concepts to either side of the field. And for Reference as far as mistakes in my quarterback grading, Ryan Tannehill usually made five to seven mistakes per game. Some games he would get under that, but for the most part, he was in that five, six, seven range. Josh Rosen this year and last season with the Cardinals was usually up around 10, 11, 12 mistakes per game. And if I can sit here and watch Drew Brees complete 96% of his passes at age 40, if I can watch Tom Brady play the best football of his entire career between seasons, age 39 and age 41 seasons, then why the hell is it not feasible to expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to have the best years of his career at this stage of his life? No, he's not those two guys. Very well aware of that fact, but he plays the game in a similar way in that none of them ever really wowed anybody with their physical prowess. They didn't have elite mobility or the biggest, strongest arms in football, but they are all three very, very, very sharp between the ears, and it's tough to fool any of them at this stage because they've seen so many Defensive coverages and looks and blitzes and on and on and on. And that's been evident by Fitzpatrick's performance this year. Very rarely has he flat out thrown the ball directly to the defense. I mean, aside from those first two games, I think his first pick against Baltimore was pretty terrible, but he hasn't had the pick like the one that Eli threw against us on Sunday. They've been deep shots that went overthrown for arm punts or drops that get batted up into the air or the out and out terrific play by Tredavious White that he made in that Buffalo game on Fitzpatrick's pick in that game. Fitz arrived here in May and blew folks away, both media and Dolphins personnel away with the quality of practices that he had in those OTAs. then carried over into the early portions of training camp, and then went away as Miami reconstructed things early in the season, and since things have stabilized post-bye week, so has his performance. He's been terrific on schedule, getting the football out of his hands with anticipation, shown you plenty of examples of that on Twitter, he's moving the defense with his eyes and body position, I've shown you even more examples of that on Twitter, not like the guy that argues with me, who once insisted that Eric Flowers should be a priority free agent option for the Dolphins, on the offensive line gross and he's been simply awesome extending plays off script I mean how many more sacks would Ryan Tannehill have taken behind this line I bet you it's at least double digit more sacks I think it's entirely feasible that Fitzpatrick gets better next season he's under contract for peanuts as far as starting quarterbacks go closer to backup money than actual starter money and he's going to have a full year of chemistry developed with Devontae Parker Preston Williams Mike Gasicki Alan Hearns maybe Albert Wilson maybe Jakeem Graham and the full year of digesting the finer points of this offensive scheme. To me, it sets up like the Chiefs on a much, much smaller scale. Not going to call this team a Super Bowl contender like Kansas City is now every single year. But like the Chiefs in 2017, when Alex Smith plays very well in his veteran role, not exactly popping off the page, but doing his part to manage the game and then making enough plays off script to make a difference in the offense. Then you turn the reins over to hopefully either Tua Tungavailoa, in 2021. Maybe it's Jordan Love who got popped for a pot charge, by the way. And I know not those darn marijuanas, but that will be a focal point now for Jordan Love in his draft process interviews and such. So if it's Patrick and a rookie, that's my preferred quarterback room for the 2020 season. And we talk about quarterbacks almost every day on this podcast, the Locked on Dolphins podcast. And this might be the first time we've done this, But now, we're talking kickers. This podcast is essentially a 24-hour development. All I think about is football and mostly this Miami Dolphins team. So the show comes together as thoughts pop into my mind, and then I hash them out in my solo man pre-show production meetings. All me, baby. And I was curious to look up Jason Sanders' numbers. I had no idea that NFL kickers never miss. I knew Justin Tucker didn't, but I didn't know that 18 kickers in this league right now are better than 80% on the season. Four out of five field goals go through the uprights. That is crazy. I thought Sanders' numbers were good, but he's 21st in field goal percentage at 76%. He's missed 10 kicks in his career, two PATs, and eight field goals. He's missed just once from under 40 yards, and I love that stat. Give me a reliable kicker from short. He's also good from 50 plus at four for six, a 66. 66- percent rate from long range but he's not so good in that 40 to 49 territory that's where six of his misses come from and four of those misses are this year and just looking down this list it looks like the best kickers have missed between two and five kicks this season so that's how many you get you get five misses tops in a year Sanders is at six I still trust him though most of his kicks to me look to be straight which means he's not shanking it making good contact off the foot He was money last year in camp this year and the preseason, but they also brought in a new snapper and that could have some impact too this first year. The bottom line, I like Jason Sanders, but his percentage is not good, but I'm also well aware of the volatility of a small sample size. And you know where else sample size can cause some volatility and where it really matters? when you want to bet on some football. It's that time of year again. Christmas is coming up quick as we are fast approaching the 25th of December, and our friends at MyBookie want to make your season special with 12 days of gifts. MyBookie is already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry, and this holiday season, they're getting into the spirit by giving away 12 straight days of giveaways. That's right, 12 days of risk-free gifts, a new gift every single day, so you can take your game to the next level. They kicked off this promotion on the 14th with a free parlay for the UFC, and they'll keep up the gift giving through the 25th. Free bets, free spins, futures, and more. While Santa has his, they've checked off their list. They've got a little something for everyone, and this is the promotion that you will not want to miss, especially with hoops and hockey in full swing and the college bowl games right around the corner. It really is the holiday season and the best time of year for sports betting, parlays, teasers, specials, anything you could ask for. My bookie is here to make Christmas great again. Head over to MyBookie.ag right now and use our promo code LOCKEDON to get half off your initial deposit and in free wagers. And that's just the start of your savings. Make sure to check out the site during this promotion because... There's going to be something new every single day, and you're going to want to take advantage of these deals. So go sign up for my bookie with our promo code LockedON and start winning today.
3: Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by
2: state. By the time you hear this, there's a good chance I am wheels up on my way to South Florida on a red-eye flight. Gross. I swear my lo- my wife secretly loves torturing me when she books flights for me. I mean, she'll have no problem falling asleep on the plane, but I'll probably be awake wire to wire on that damn thing before we touch down at 5 o'clock Eastern on Friday morning. Then we're heading to Miami International to scoop up Kevin at 10 o'clock in the morning before heading out to lunch and all the drinking debauchery on Saturday in South Florida. Come say what's up. Hit me up on Twitter or otherwise, and let's get together and have a beer and watch some football. Then on Sunday, we've got ourselves a football game. And I find this game kind of fascinating after doing the research on it. Go over to LockedOnDolphins.com right now and check out the game preview. But there are parallels from this Dolphins and Bengals team that kind of make this thing interesting to me. First, the worst rush defense in the NFL at 158 yards per game allowed for the Bengals going up against Miami's historically bad rushing attack, which averages 71 yards per carry behind leading rusher Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then there's the parallel for Miami with itself, who started off this season with a roster overturn of 24.5% between the Laramie Tunzel trade and the first game when they gutted this thing, and now over the last four weeks, the last month, the Dolphins have overturned the roster by 20.1% in that time as well, a fitting bookend to this arduous, difficult season. You have Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumu on that staff, both former Dolphins assistants. The Bengals' best trait is their defensive line going up against Miami's worst unit on the offensive line, and on the other side of the ball, the Bengals' best offensive trait is Joe Mixon on outside runs, that's where the Dolphins are worst this year as well. And yet still, this will be the one game all year long where the Dolphins are favorites. They are one point favorites for the Sunday kickoff at one o'clock Eastern at Hard Rock Stadium, where I am three and in the press box, hoping to make that four and or am I? I don't really know. It's going to be 76 degrees, 90% chance of rain, gross, and then 18 mile per hour wins as the Dolphins are one point favorites. And I still do believe this Dolphins team saw the levee break or the proverbial final thread in the straw break on Sunday against the Giants. And what was supposed to possibly be a three-game winning streak against these three bad opponents in the Jets, Giants, and Bengals. But fortunately for fans of the tank, these games came late in the season by the time Miami's roster was completely decimated, even more so than it was back in September. So instead of a four-game winning streak off the Eagles game, we're now looking at possibly a four-game losing streak to end the season with losses against both New York teams, against the Bengals, and on the road at the Patriots. And that all kind of gathers itself into one upshot for this football team who looks like they're still going to wind up with a top five pick, most likely a top three pick. They're probably going to get a crack at the best quarterback in this draft class, injured hip notwithstanding, And it looks like they've identified a good coaching staff here with Brian Forrest, Patrick Graham, Chad O'Shea, and the like. So maybe this tough season works out to be perfect at the end of it. I still believe that every single draft pick game has gone against Miami, like all the Steelers games, for instance, the Texans games down at the end of the wire where bad luck breaks against Miami or like Washington or New York who's about to get a win like the Giants against the Eagles on Monday night last week or Washington against the Eagles this past Sunday it always seems to slip out of our grasp at the last moment so hopefully this season just gets over fast we have 8 quarters left let's talk about the next 4 quarters here and the offensive scheme of the Cincinnati Bengals with Zach Taylor who is trying to be Sean McVay but he's not working out for him both those teams lead the NFL in 11 personnel ran at 84% clip the next personnel package they run as 12 personnel. They run that about 10% of the time, and that's pretty much it. You're going to bring on one tight end, swap him out for a receiver. That's your offense for the Bengals. They run about 10 or 15 plays. They dress it up with different alignments, different pre-snap shifts and motions. The primary option is the slot receiver, like Cooper Cup in LA or Tyler Boyd here in Cincinnati. And all of that has tallied up to the Bengals having the 26th ranked total offense, 22nd in passing, 27th in rushing, and nobody scores fewer points than this Bengals team. As far as their players on the offensive side of the ball, we talked about the disposition of the Bengals' outside running game against Miami's outside run defense. Joe Mixon is the engine that drives that offense, and he has forced 39 missed tackles this year 25 of those have come on off-tackle runs. That's 64% of them. He averages 5.4 yards per carry off left end, 4.8 yards per carry off right end, and that's where the Dolphins cannot defend the run whatsoever. The saving grace for Miami here is the Bengals' offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, is the 31st graded run-blocking offensive line, better than Miami's, who's dead last, and the 28th graded pass-blocking offensive line, Miami also dead last in that mark as well. They're going to use Alex Erickson, as the number two receiver. He outreps John Ross, the former ninth overall draft pick. And both those guys take a back seat to Tyler Boyd, where CJ Uzama is the top tight end, playing roughly around 70%, with Tyler Eifert bumped to second duty on that tight end group. On the defensive side of the ball, Lou Anarumu is the defensive coordinator here, and he is a defensive backs coach by trade, but there are still busts every single week on that Bengals defensive backfield. They will blitz a lot, They rank 10th in blitz percentage rate in the NFL, just 0.3 percentage points behind Miami, who ranked 9th. The Bengals will blitz at a 32.9% rate. They are 29th in total defense, 15th in passing, last in rushing defense, and they're 24th in scoring. And they don't have many sacks to write home about, but they do rank 12th in quarterback knockdown rate. And they do have 13 sacks over the last five games, so things have gotten better for them because they're getting more production out of Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, and Sam Hubbard, three guys that stand to absolutely wreck shop here for this Dolphins team. This is the lowest sack total Geno Atkins has had since 2014, but he's headed back to the Pro Bowl for the eighth time. This dude's a Hall of Fame defensive tackle. We saw him whip Jesse Davis last year. I don't think the Dolphins' interior defense, offensive line, rather, can get that guy blocked. They're going to have to double him all game long, and that creates further problems off the outside as you create one on one matchups for a pair of edge rushers that neither of these tackles in Jesse. Davis or Julian Davenport are equipped to handle off the edge. Carlos Dunlop has a get-off like you wouldn't believe and great length. Sam Hubbard has six sacks this year, had six sacks last year, so he needs one more to top his rookie season total, but he's even more impressive against the run. It would stand to reason to think that Miami would get stuck behind the chains a lot in this game, but they have done a good job of using tendency breakers. I would expect Miami to line up in a lot of 12 personnel, get the Bengals' slower defensive groupings onto the field, and go to work through the air from that normally run heavy pass. Package, attack Nick Vigil, the linebacker, with tight ends and backs, and look to isolate cornerback B.W. Webb on one-on-one situations with Devontae Parker. That's the approach. The Dolphins' opportunities here are that one-on-one approach against B.W. Webb, and perhaps Albert Wilson's speed and lateral agility and all that jet motion they'll do in the backfield can influence the slow Bengals' defense. That's the best opportunity for Miami to score the ball on defense. The best opportunity likely comes from Miami's ability to change the picture post-snap like they did on Eli Manning and hopefully go after a thin wide receiver core of the Bengals and find a way to get the Bengals in third and long and go after Dalton that way and take the football away. The concerns... It's all about the Bengals' defensive line against Miami's offensive line. We saw last year how much Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard can wreck a game as they did against Ryan Tannehill in that fourth quarter. And then Joe Mixon is a huge concern. Quietly one of the best backs in the NFL going up against the NFL's 31st-ranked defense his balance, his speed, his patience, and acceleration to the edge are going to prove very problematic for this Dolphins defense. How do I think this game goes? The Dolphins, again, first game and only game all year long that they are favorites, but you get three points for being the home team. So the one point spread tells you that Vegas thinks these teams are separated by two points in favor of the Bengals on a neutral site with Andy Dalton back in the fold, a quality running game and pass rush to attack Miami's two weakest areas. The only thing that keeps this game close Close is the Dolphins' coaching advantage, and I think that will keep it close, but even that's not enough as I believe the lug nuts are loose on this car and the wheels are getting wobbly as the Dolphins keep it close but ultimately fall 20-14 to 14 in this penultimate game in a tough, tough 2019 season. And if this podcast has kept you going through this 2019 season, do us a favor if you are a Spotify listener and use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. And we will share and retweet all the love you guys give us and the Locked On Dolphins podcast.
0: TurboTax experts make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move. Or maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house. Or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guaranteed details at turbotax.com/guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
2: Those Chase Young wars have once again pit Dolphins Twitter against one another, and I shudder to think of the day when we are all on the same team with this stuff, so I gotta weigh in here, right, because Chase Young at the number two pick or number three pick should he be available makes a lot of sense for pretty much any team at that spot, and Chase Young certainly is the most talented player in this entire draft. I don't think anybody is arguing against that. But the argument against Chase Young in Miami is that he might not be the best fit for how this defense operates that doesn't place a priority on one particular player. It's all about a team effort and getting 11 guys to execute the jobs and contain their rush rush lanes and rush gaps and maintain that gap integrity and have a team effort to put pressure on the quarterback, force that quarterback to throw the football sooner than he wants to into your eight and seven man coverages that you drop against this Dolphins pass rush. And again, to completely reiterate, maybe Chase Young can do those things. Maybe he is adept at adjusting his game, but that's not what makes him special. What makes him special is flying by the outside edge and rushing upfield past the quarterback and then either working back underneath the right tackle or working back around the edge, bending that edge and getting the sack that way. It's just not how this defense works. That's not how Bill Belichick's defense works. And in today's NFL, if you're going to stop the best quarterbacks in the league, like Lamar Jackson, like Patrick Mahomes, like Russell Wilson, you better be able to rush contain because if you rush past those guys, they're going to make you pay. You're going to open up running lanes. You can't play man coverage if you do that because if you have guys chasing the receivers down the field and your defensive end blows by the quarterback and creates a massive C gap there off the right edge, then you're going to have huge quarterback runs over and over and over again. Now, again, Chase Young might be able to do this, but that's not his best trait. His best trait is getting upfield, rushing that edge. And it's just to say that this is nowhere near as much of a slam dunk pick as many Dolphins fans think. It'll be something they have to consider. They're not just going to outright change the entire defensive scheme from what Brian Flores has learned in 20 years of football. They're not going to do that to accommodate one individual player. So it's just not the slam dunk you might think and I think what gets me most on this entire topic is the importance of the defense's team-like structure over the idea of plopping in a square peg into a round hole we've seen that movie so many times before Put Ndamukong Sue on the middle of the defensive line, pay him quarterback money, it'll free up Cameron Wake. All that's going to work fantastically, right? Wrong. The Dolphins never even had a top 20 defense with Ndamukong Sue in tow. They tried it with Danell Ellerbe. They tried it with Philip Wheeler. Obviously, lesser players to that extent. But they've tried this idea of going after the one or two solutions, hoping that guy would have the overall impact on the defense, and it just didn't work. So don't think that Chase Young is the solution to your pass rush problems. He's not. You can take him out of the game if the Dolphins just go after Chase Young and leave that alone. Again, the defensive end position not going to be the most valued position in this defense, it funnels through the defensive backs. That's where the Patriots play 8, 9, 10 guys per game. That's where they paid Stephon Gilmore a massive contract. That's where they put Devin McCourty in a position to be the captain of that defense. That's where they have used Patrick Chung and called him the most important player to the entire structure of that defense. And you want to talk about schemes and how much a good coach can adapt his scheme That's completely wrong. The best coaches will usher guys out that don't buy into the team philosophy, don't buy into the process of playing as an 11-man unit. Just look at the Patriots year in, year out. Willie McGinnis, Richard Seymour, Lawyer Malloy, Chandler Jones, they continually say goodbye to these big-time players who are star players and continue to get top production out of the guys they put in their place. The Seattle Seahawks have done that recently, one year after getting rid of everybody with Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett, they're still the 11th scoring defense in the National Football League because Pete Carroll finds those long corners to play their press cover three and off cover three. The Ravens last year, they lose to Darius Smith, CJ Mosley, Terrell Suggs, Eric Weddle. They're still a top five defense in the league. The Steelers have done this time and time again. Recall Joey Porter back in 2007 getting cut and then subsequently signing a big contract with the Dolphins. And I think the last good example of this for the Patriots is you look at Adrian Claiborne, who's no longer on that team anymore. They said goodbye after making him a healthy scratch on several games last year because he started to rush upfield and not adhere to their rush integrity and gap lane mentality on that pass rush. The Patriots sacks come through the linebackers, putting pressure on people. It comes through playing good coverage and forcing the quarterback to get off of his spot and run into to your sack because you have every gap covered for in terms of the pass rush. That's why Donta Hightower and Kyle Van Noy ranked number two and number three last year in quarterback pressure rate at linebacker. And this year, both are in the top five once again. It's all about linebacker blitzing pressure and gap integrity up front. There are plenty of other options. It doesn't have to just be Chase Young if you do want to go out and spend big money. Now, I tend to think maybe they won't do that, except for maybe one big splash like a Matthew Judon, like a Yannick Ngakwe from Jacksonville, like Jadevian Clowney from Seattle. Maybe it's a smaller end bargain guy like F.A. Obada from Carolina or Shaq Lawson who's found the light, has had the light come on for him in Buffalo. Maybe it's Kyler Fackrell, the outside backer from Green Bay. Maybe in the draft you go after A.J. Epinesa or your tier gross models. or Kayla Chase Chason, who can play multiple positions at linebacker and defensive end. And that's what a lot of these guys do that are on the Dolphins' hot list. Guys that can play six or seven positions. Chase Young, he's played pretty much two positions this year. Curtis Weaver from Boise State, that guy can condense inside or outside. He can hold the point on the edge against the run. He has a Christian Wilkins-like personality. 30 career sacks, including a sack in every single Power 5 game that he played, except for one against Oklahoma State. He also had a fumble six return Against the Cougars, my Cougars, WSU, go Cougs in 2017. Other options Bradley and I from Utah, Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis from Alabama, Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. The options are endless. You can repair this defense with lower end resources. It does not have to be Chase Young or Bust quarterback's far more important at that stage anyway. Don't think this Chase Young thing is as much of a slam dunk as you might think. Still a great player, the best in the draft, but not a slam dunk to go to the Dolphins if he's on the board with that pick. All right, that was a juicy episode. We flew through that thing. I'm going to jump right back on and record the Friday's episode with all your mailbag questions, the lock of the week, all that fun stuff. That'll be available first thing on Friday morning. In the meantime, Go check out Jason Harina's work up on LockedOnDolphins.com. He has the all-decade team for the Dolphins offense going back from the 2010s all the way through 2019. He also wrote a piece on Brian Flores earlier in the week. Check that out. As for today's podcast, that it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow for a mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music